Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to The Kitchen Table. We are in a series that we've just started talking about how do we communicate with our children in a way that equips them to be good communicators. I think it's an important vision for us moving forward that we want to create a generation of children who communicate well, because communicating is going to be vital, isn't it? to share gospel truths with a lost world, to communicate well inside of their own family dynamics one day, to communicate here in your own family. And we have been talking about that we need to model our communication, about model it after how God communicates with us. Last week, we talked about three main ways he communicates. He communicates through his words. He intimately and personally speaks his love for us all throughout scripture. He communicates through his attention. He intently and purposefully gives us attention. Scripture talks about how he leans in to listen. He is attentive to our cries. He is watching over us. He gives us his attention. And thirdly, he consistently pursues us. In his actions, he communicates who he is to us in his pursuit of us. You know, Jesus came all the way. 100% action towards us without our response to him first. And so now we need to begin to stop and think, how do we communicate with our children? You know, I am very guilty in communicating in my words, oh, I love you. But sometimes my words can be sarcastic. They can be biting. You know, they can kind of hit a little too hard. I can be too quick to speak where I jump to a conclusion Sometimes in my actions, I don't show that I'm listening, that I'm communicating with them. You know, my presence speaks to my children. My body language speaks to my kids. My, um, and in my attention, do I give them the eye contact, the face-to-face? What is the way that I'm communicating? That's what we talked about last week, kind of as an intro week. So today we're going to be talking about the youngest, when we're talking about children, the youngest age, babies and toddler communication. But I want to caution you, this is also, if you have never thought about the way you communicate with your child, I want to encourage you that this is the first way you change the way you communicate with your children. So if you're here and you're listening and you're like, well, great, Bethany, I've never even thought about this as a whole way to plant communication inside of the gospel, and my kids are 10 and 15, then my encouragement for you is start with what we're going to talk about today. Don't make any declarations. Don't make any announcements. Don't demand anything from your kids or from anyone else in your family. Just begin to institute these ideas with this gospel framework 
and begin to reroute or change the way communication happens. And it may not change. Maybe you naturally communicate this way, but you've never thought about it in light of the gospel. And I'm going to encourage you, let's look in the word and let's actually say the reason I choose to communicate the way I do with my kids is because of this passage of scripture, maybe. That's going to be my challenge for you today. So today we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I'm going to read it to you quickly. I'm going to help you put it into context. And then we're going to draw out of it the truths for how will you communicate this first layer of communication. You see, I'm going to propose over the next few weeks that there are layers of communication that we do. And as we layer in each one, it grows and deepens a relationship with our child that will promote intimacy, that will promote more relationship or deeper um, communication skills that will produce fruit. So let's go. Second Thessalonians chapter one, Paul says, for you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Okay. For me, this is one of these hallmark passages where God said, this applies to your motherhood, Bethany. This, I promise you, take this as your invitation to communicate well with your children. So the first concept of communication is understanding we are coming humbly. We are coming as we do as a nursing mother taking care of her own child. Do you remember those first few days with your child? You were overwhelmed with a desire to give all of yourself to your child. You, I would have done anything and everything. Every time I've had a new child in my hands, just this overwhelming awe for life, this overwhelming desire to be fiercely protective and to give whatever it takes to get this little one up and going. Well, I think most of us probably would even say, well, I still feel that way about my children, Bethany. I still feel like I'm ready to share all of myself with my child. And so we need to learn to communicate that affection to our children. You see what Paul says in this passage, which to me was very challenging, is he said, my appeal does not spring from error or impurity. So the challenge there is when I am communicating and speaking with my children, making sure that I am truly rooted in the truth of the word and not just my own opinion, not just in the way it'll look to everybody else, 
You see, there's a lot of my discipline over the years I've been guilty of doing because I don't like the way a behavior or something that my child does looks to others. But I'm not rooting it down in the word saying, you know, this is wrong because, and let me show you the scripture of why it's wrong. Now, I'm just saying, stop doing that. Other people will, or that doesn't look good, or, you know, it makes you look like, or I may not even say those words, but in my head, that's what I'm thinking. And I'm not choosing to communicate clearly scripture truths with my child. And then Paul says, I am understanding that because I've been approved by God and entrusted with the gospel, I am speaking to you. So the second thing that oftentimes when I'm communicating with my children that I have had to learn how to do is to understand I, you have been entrusted with the gospel and approved by God to speak it to your children on God's behalf. We talk all the time inside of everything here in the podcast, anywhere. You have been chosen by God for your child for the purpose of pivoting, of pointing to Jesus. And God says, nobody else is going to do it better. I've chosen you. You're the mom that I've chosen. You're the one. And here we have a phrase that says, we have been approved by God and entrusted with the gospel. And then Paul says this, he says, so we speak. So because we know these two things to be true, that our identity is approved by God and entrusted with the gospel, we can speak. But we don't speak to please man, is what Paul says here. And I think that one was really a hard truth for me over the years. It's still hard for me. Many of us, how about I put it in my framework? I am very highly motivated to please even my children. I want my children to like me. I want my children to be happy. I want my children to feel, feel happy, confident, assured, loved. So oftentimes I speak to please them. But Paul very clearly here says, no, we don't speak to please man. We speak to please God. Because he tests our hearts. And I want you to understand that when we are learning how to communicate to our children, one of the first things that we need to do is understand who we are pleasing. Are we pleasing our child in the way we speak? So we may be, I know that I'm very guilty of sometimes I'll even justify their behavior because I don't really want to discipline right now. or I don't feel like disciplining right now or I don't want them to feel too bad about themselves. And I understand there is a we, but everything can be framed. And I promise you, because I've had to learn this because I don't naturally like to do this, but beginning to learn to communicate in a way, understanding that ultimately I have been called and entrusted with the gospel and called to this child to speak, but to please God and not my child. But the beauty of this is when we have gospel conversations with our kids, and you can look back through, there are many episodes about how do we have a gospel conversation with our kids where we're not just telling them an edict, like issuing a rule, you can't, thou shalt stop doing. Mm -mm, That's not good communication. It's really not. 
And we talk about that in many episodes. But to understand underneath that, that my heartbeat is more than just the correction of my child. My heartbeat is to please God who gave me that child. That needs to be an important shift in our own thinking as we begin to approach this idea of communication. And then further on, it says, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands. So here again, it speaks to our heart as mamas, as we are communicating to our children. There are many times where I have in essence, instead of coming with humility, I have communicated I just, I'm not going to talk about this anymore. You just can't do it. And I'm very short and I'm very much just because I'm the mom and that's why. Because I said so. And again, I want you to understand, I'm not saying that you can never say that. But if my heartbeat and the way that I consistently as a pattern interact with my child is because I said so. Then this goes back to actually like when we were talking in summertime rhythms about whether I am a shepherd for my child or a sheepdog. It's the same picture. We see it here in First Thessalonians. It is this picture. If I am a sheepdog with my children, then I am constantly nipping at their heels and pushing them from behind and demanding that they go in front of me. But if my heartbeat is one of humility in my communication and one of come and follow, come and walk with me as we walk together, united in this relationship with God, then in a, from a different place, I communicate the same concept. So in one, I say, because I said so. And in the other one, I take a moment and I say, let me explain And let me invite you to come walk with me. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not an expectation for obedience. There is. That doesn't mean it doesn't negate the the fact that I have more wisdom than they have. It doesn't take away the truth that I am called to lead. And and in parent-child relationship, they're called to honor and to follow and to obey. Like I'm not negating that, but my heart position impacts whether or not I am a sheepdog pushing them from behind and, you know, jamming them forward, or I am a shepherd calling them forward where they know my voice and they delight in following. And the shepherd position equips and gets them ready for the true shepherd. And that is ultimately our goal with our children. So I think that this passage in Thessalonians really begins to highlight a question we need to ask ourselves. What is, what is my heart position when I'm communicating with my children? Do I, number one, understand my identity, that I have been approved by God and entrusted with the gospel to speak to my children, but in a manner that is seeking to please God? I'm not seeking to be a people pleaser and please my kids. That means that there's going to be days where they're going to be upset by what I say. But I'm also not coming with a heart position that says I can make demands on you because of who I am in this relationship. But instead, I'm coming with the humility and the beckoning of a shepherd rather than the barking and the snapping of a sheepdog. And I'm leading my children forward. And... I have absolutely rooted it down in the truth 
of what the word said. I'm not trying to deceive or manipulate my kids or make it come forward just because it'll make me look good or like I am rooting down my communication in the truth of God's word. And now that I begin to reflect on those questions, that's my heart posture. That's what I'm thinking about. And I'm letting the Lord begin to work in that place. Now I want to introduce to you what verse 7 says. And I want to give it some context, some actual practical application. So verse 7 says, We were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children, being affectionately desirous of you. We were ready to share with you not just the gospel, but our own selves. And again, many times in here we've talked about What are we sharing with our children? So today I want to introduce these practical ideas that really go back to how we communicate to our very little ones. But if you have not been communicating with this kind of a heartbeat, my encouragement is just start with these. Examine your own heart. Ask the questions we just went over. And then these first ways of communicating in terms of words, actions, and attention. When you think about your baby or your toddler and they're in your arms, they only communicate in a couple of ways, don't they? They cry. Pretty soon they learn to smile and they smile at you and they kind of gurgle and coo, right? So when you have little bitties like that, how are you communicating with them? Well, your presence, your presence speaks volumes to a little one, doesn't it? A baby comes out and all they want to do is be held. They want your presence and need your presence and should have your presence. You know, we talk all the time about, um, and there are so many theories and all that, and I'm not going to talk about that today, about how much is too much to hold your baby. I just personally ascribe to the belief that you can't hold your baby too much. And um, they long for contact, physical contact, and they long for physical presence. But we're living in a day and an age where I personally can be very distracted and I'm very busy with lots of calls and people and activities and I got to run here and I got to do this. But when I'm beginning to have friction and rub with a child, whether they are very little and babies or toddlers, when I have little toddlers who all of a sudden I'm getting a whole lot more outbursts and fussiness and um, disobedience and yelling and screaming. When I have teens and tweens that are really, when I'm having a lot of friction in that age, my first question I have learned is, first of all, what is my heart position towards them? What we just talked about. And then secondly, how much of my presence am I giving them? And if you ask yourself those first two questions, typically for me, it highlights a problem. Either I'm behaving like more of a sheepdog than a shepherd, and I need to adjust my heart attitude, my um, my heart of uh, humility versus lording parenthood over a child. And then secondly, I need to honor them with more of my presence. They're hungry for more of me. I can't tell you how many times... Asking even my little toddlers, even my young ones, my teenagers, all of them, when I begin to realize, wow, I don't know, when was, what's my one-on-one time that I've been spending with this child? And inviting that child on a, quote, date. 
And that date may just be just you and me at the grocery store. Just you and me running to Target. Hey, do you want to go to Starbucks with me today? Just do you want to run with me and just pick a place? I don't care. Hey, do you just want to run around town and do errands? Just you and me. We can talk all the time in the car. But invite them to spend time with you, even if your calendar feels full. There have been times where I have said to a child, hey, do you want to come? Just come sit beside me and let's do our stuff together. And basically, I'm choosing to just chat with them. I'm probably not going to get much of my stuff done. But the invitation for unique, defined time together, however you want to create that. But even down to itty bitties will change that that struggle. I promise you, when my children have had that friction with me, and it feels like they're super fussy with me, more times than not, they're just hungering for my presence. And if I'm willing to share the gospel with them, I need to share my very self with them. And that sometimes has me in a realignment of my calendar where I'm like, you know, I can't do some of these things. They sounded fun. They sounded important. They sounded like it would have been a good idea. And now I'm reevaluating and realizing this is an issue and I need to realign some things. And I've called and said, hey, I can't make this or I'm not doing that or I won't be a part of that because I need to clear some calendar so that I can have more time with my children who are hungry for me because time speaks. And then also in the baby and the toddler years, another way that our children understand and they are communicated to by us is through our facial expressions, right? I mean, we delight in just grinning and smiling and cooing at our little babies. And what are we giving them? We're giving them a lot of our face, a lot of eye contact, a lot of touch, a lot of cooing, a lot of smiles, a lot of us. And it communicates. And in the same way, we also communicate when we want to correct, even by our facial expressions. You know, early on in the toddler years, I practiced a face for correction for my children so that I could be in a crowded situation and they would know a face and that face did not look angry, but it looked firm and resolute. And I'm not kidding. I practiced it in a mirror when my first two were very young, early toddlers. And then I would purposefully use that face as the first method of correction for them in our home. And then I would use my words and then anything else that maybe needed to be used for correction. So that when we were then out in public and I could catch their eye across a room even and just give them a face and they would know in communication, whoop, or uh uh-oh, or okay, they would understand that meant maybe you're, I don't know, acting too wild, you said something you shouldn't have said, you know, whatever it is, it was a very nice, easy way to communicate without embarrassing or shaming them in front of other people. Nobody else could catch my correction of my face, but it also doesn't look angry. You see, there's no need for us to be angry. When we correct our children, when we're truly walking them in a gospel centered way, just looking firmly at them saying, that's not going to be what we're going to do. And my children laugh. So in our home, if you're around me personally, you'll know that one of my first corrective faces, 
I will cock one eyebrow at you and give a quick shake of my head. And that is your first sign. Mom says, don't do that. And so I used to practice that. But it's important that we practice the way we correct. Because again, we're not looking to squash, bash, or just decimate. We're looking to communicate a correction in that moment. And so the way we do that is important. And then the third way we communicate with our child, and especially in those baby years, is we communicate with our voice, the tone and the pitch of our voice. And when we have little babies, we're cooing in high-pitched tones, and oh, aren't you up here? And it, But the reverse is also true. If I am very angry or frustrated, I my tone and the pitch of my voice can lower to a place that maybe could sound scary. And I think in 1 Thessalonians, we see evidence that scary does not need to be the way we correct, right? Because again, Paul said, we did not make demands on you, but we spoke to you and we were gentle among you, even in corrections. And so the second thing that I used to practice when my children were very young is I would practice my tone of voice. So that they would know that I am speaking to them in a firm tone of voice. And I'm not just screaming at them. I'm not yelling. I'm not even speaking in a wicked, mean voice. I am speaking in the, oh, this is mom's tone of voice. That means she's serious and I need to listen because it communicates without wrecking relationship. So again, If you're just starting this, but your kids are older, I just want to encourage you, begin again. Look at what is the posture of my heart? Do I understand my identity? What God's called me to? What's the posture of my heart? How am I engaging with my children? And then let's look and say, well, how do I give my presence to my children? And how do I give my facial expressions, my eye contact? How how much of that am I giving to my children? And then what is my 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 tone of voice with my children. What tone of voice do I typically use with my kids? And let that begin to be a place where the Holy Spirit speaks to you and helps you understand the way He's called you to be, to be gentle, and yet to speak words of truth in a way that points to the gospel that God loves our child. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.